0: When an individual is not word-centric, as in God's word is not central to their entire living, then their life will be riddled with errors and filled with confusion. These are both short-term and long-term effects. At first, the problems will appear small and manageable. However, they will grow, multiply, and gain similar companions. Before you know it, they will dominate day-to-day living. The error and confusion consumes all. There is no hope of escaping this swirling downward motion, none, unless at the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the law of sin and death began its reign. Death alone will satisfy the letter of this deadly cardinal law. But how beautiful is God's plan of salvation, the way of escape called born again. John three. 3 Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When one is born again, born a literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God, the sentence leveled on the guilty, the cardinal law of sin and death is satisfied. You are born again. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Be assured that a death must occur in order to satisfy the judgment, and it surely does. The spiritual death of the carnal nature. Your carnal self dies at born again. Jesus said in Luke nine twenty-three, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The cross is the place you die, a place you die out to this world, and note, you carry it daily. Consider these marvelous words in Romans chapter 6, 4 through 6, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We are buried with Christ. The law of sin and death must be satisfied, and born again swallows it whole. What a beautiful plan. It's so big. Have you yet to be born again? Will today be your day where all your sin and shame are washed away by Christ's cleansing blood? Will today be your day where all of Satan's bondages, bondages excuse me are vanquished from your life? Remember, it's true. The bigger the bondages, the better. Your soul is in your very own hand. In just a moment, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you follow me from your heart, everything changes today. And I mean everything. Step out of the darkness right now. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. God said, 1 Thessalonians 4.4, 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel and sanctification and honor. God said, 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Man said, these doomsday prophets make me laugh. There's no doomsday, and there's no God sitting in judgment. Enjoy yourself. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, Feature 1077 that will once again contend for the faith. All of these powerful faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the lost sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday eve, God willing, they grow by one. Welcome aboard, old friends and new. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. The final days have come upon us. Doomsday is knocking. First Thessalonians chapter 4 addresses the great taking up of the church and our gathering together unto Christ to meet him in the clouds, commonly known as the rapture. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 deals specifically with the world's spiritual condition at the time of Christ's return. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now we know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Verse 10 speaks of the deceivableness of unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is unbelief and its resultant deeds. Unbelief is deception. The world's media was front page proud to announce that in the United States, church attendance has been dropping. It has now fallen below 50% and the bottom has yet to be reached. Much of the world's numbers are far worse. One of the signs of the end of the world described in verse 3 above is the falling away, and be assured that this falling away is in play. The deceivableness of unrighteousness has, for example, created the theory of evolution, the God of the academics, and evolution leads the devil's spirit of bastardy. Devil possession abounds at every level. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, What the World Needs Now, Casting Out Devils. These are the very last days, and hell is pouring out its bondages upon this earth in torrents of filthiness and uncleanness, binding, contaminating, and destroying all that are found in its way. There is no earthly power of any sort that can contend with the gross and lewd darkness of the devil with only one exception, and that exception is not of this world. That exception is the blood-covered champion of Golgotha, Jesus Christ the Righteous, who triumphed exceedingly over Satan and even now possesses the keys of hell and death, Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Satan, the devil, has been spoiled and cast out of heaven by this almighty Christ, and this king of glory alone can deliver the sons and daughters of Adam who have been sold into sin, he alone. These are the last days. And according to the book of Daniel, one of the signs is that wickedness will come to a fool. But be advised, Romans 5.20 reads, But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Those stepping in the light will participate in an outpouring of God's Spirit, even the very latter rain, with unduplicated and staggering global results. An ongoing warfare between light and darkness shall accelerate faster and faster and more ferocious. And we'll not relent until the very world ending as we know it, Battle of Armageddon. Word walkers, prepare to engage the soldiers of damnable heresy, not with guns and bombs, but with childlike faith that worketh by love. This alone is Satan's greatest fear. The UK Telegraph, september 26, twenty sixteen headline reads leading U.S. exorcist explain huge increase in demand for the right and priests to carry them out. Headline August 2016, WND.com reads, U.S. Alarm, Unprecedented Demonic Outpouring, an excerpt from pastor and author Carl Gallops follows. Because of modern technology, the whole world sees these demonic displays one after the other, the pastor said, we are under the prophesied demonic deluge. The problem is it is so in your face that few actually see it. There is such a technological saturation of evil from entertainment mediums to virtual fantasy porn that a normalcy bias kicks into overdrive. And Gallup's concluded ominous, uh, well, ominously uh, what modern Christians are witnessing is nothing new. It's kind of like the days of Noah, he said. Everyone just ate and drank, even though their judgment was staring them in the face, just like Jesus warned. The lion of prophecy is roaring. I wonder if anyone actually hears it. End of quote. A monster spiritual bondage, which is the elephant in the room, is academic devils that bind the minds of those who refuse to retain God in their knowledge. Deadly academic devils enter through the door of unbelief, possessing receptive human bodies, driving them to that which is unseemly, embracing atheism, evolution, or evolution, as it is pronounced in England, homosexuality, and all manners of perversion. While reading Romans 1:18 through 18-28, keep in mind that unrighteousness is unbelief and its result in deeds." For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, and the birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. The absolutely ludicrous is embraced when one refuses to retain God in his knowledge. These individuals are given over to reprobate minds, which by definition means worthless we were created not only as physical beings. When God breathed the Spirit of life into our nostrils, we became living souls. Man was created with a direct physical-spiritual interface that is not optional. We are physically and spiritually, and interaction between the two dimensions is constant. In the very beginning, Adam and Eve were immortal and lived in a place called Paradise— a place where only one voice was heard, God the Creator's voice. One day, a second voice began to speak, and this voice contradicted the first voice. The second voice was Satan's voice, the destroyer, the antithesis of the first. We have been created to hear voices and to interact. In 1 Kings 19:12, it is described as a still, small voice. You'll often hear the born again say, God spoke to me, and be assured the camp of the second voice also hear voices, not always audible, but always heard. Concerning voices and the redeemed, Jesus said in John 10:27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. God has constructed laws of physical to spiritual interaction, laws that the spiritual entities cannot abridge. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, Because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The verse reads, Whom he may devour, and not whom he can. Satan needs permission to devour, and his permission is the open door of disobedience. The final plague of Egypt during Israel's deliverance from Egyptian bondage was the slaying of the firstborn. The firstborn of man and beast were to be destroyed in all of Egypt, and the only place of safety was declared in Exodus 12:23, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Note that the destroyer needed permission. During the time of the final plague, those who remained in the blood-bought house were safe from the destroying angel. When Satan, the destroyer, sees the blood of Christ that has washed away the sins of the redeemed, he must pass over. First Corinthians 5, 7 reads, For even Christ, our Passover, is sanctified for us. Satan does not have permission to destroy the blood-bought soul. The rules of physical to spiritual engagement are revealed in Job 1, 8 through 8-10. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Satan refers to a hedge of protection that blocks him from damaging Job. That hedge is made of faith in God and obedience to his word. When the hedge is down, when the door is open, Satan has the green light to damage and, in some cases, even possess the physical bodies of mortals. Much of the ministry of Jesus Christ involved casting devils out of individuals. Second Corinthians 2.11 speaks of Satan's subtleties lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We need to know how the devil possesses, lest Satan get an advantage of us. Satan has a host of unclean spirits, and each has its unique traits. But keep in mind that these spirits must kill, steal, and destroy. For example, there is the spirit of unbelief, the spirit of lust, the spirit of jealousy, a lying spirit, and on and on, each with its own peculiar traits that are easily identifiable. All of Satan's spirits must kill, steal, and destroy in the present and for eternity, but Jesus Christ gives the children of faith power over unclean spirits. Matthew 10, verse 1, "...and when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power." against unclean spirits, to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Noah Webster defines unclean in this context as adultery of the heart consisting of inordinate and unclean affections. The word unclean in the New Testament is also associated with a spiritual contagion, and this spirit will affect others by association. Consider the homosexual spirit and how it affects the humans it possesses, It affects their walk, their talk, their desires and proclivities, and these traits are common to all who are possessed by it, and they are easily recognized. As you read some of the latest issues concerning the present human dilemma, keep in mind that unclean spirits are contagious. The headline in the November 28, 2018 post on psychologytoday.com reads, Why is transgender identity on the rise among teens? Excerpts follow. Transgender identity is characterized by experiencing distress with an inability to identify with one's biological sex, usually prompting a desire to live one's life as the opposite sex. In the DSM-5, the standard classification of mental disorders used by mental health professionals, this condition is known as gender dysphoria. Transgender identity is now reported among young natal females at rates that clearly exceed all known statistics to date. In a recent survey of 250 families whose children developed symptoms of gender dysphoria during or right after puberty, Lisa Littman, a physician and professor of behavioral science at Brown University, found that over 80% of the youth in her sample were female at birth. Littman's study reported many other surprising findings. To meet the diagnostic criteria of gender dysphoria, a child typically needs to have shown observable uh, characteristics of the condition prior to puberty, such as a strong rejection of typically female or masculine toys or a strong resistance to wearing typically feminine or masculine clothes. Again, 80% of the parents in the study reported observing none of these early signs in their children. The plot thickens again. First, many of the youth in the survey had been directly exposed to one or more peers who had recently come out as trans. Next, 63.5% of the parents reported that in the time just before announcing they were trans, their children had exhibited a marked increase in Internet and social media consumption. Following uh, popular YouTubers who discussed their transition thus emerged as a common factor in many of the cases. Among the youth came out an increase in distress, conflict with parents, and voiced antagonism towards heterosexual people and non-transgender people, known as cis or cisgender, was also frequently reported. This animosity was also described as extending to males, white people, gay and lesbian non-transgender people. The view adopted by trans youth, as summed up by one parent, seemed to be that, in general, cisgendered people are considered evil and unsupportive regardless of their actual views on the topic. To be heterosexual, comfortable with the gender you were assigned at birth, and non-minority places you in the most evil of categories with this group of friends. Statements of opinions by the Evil cisgendered population are considered phobic and discriminatory and are generally discounted as unenlightened. Parents further reported being derogatorily called breeders by their children or being routinely, uh, routine, routinely harassed by children who played pronoun police. The observation that they no longer recognized their child's voice came up time and time again in parental reports. In turn, the eerie similarity between the youth's discourse and transpositive online content was repeatedly emphasized. Youth was described as sounding scripted, reading from a script, wooden, like a form letter, verbatim, word for word, or practically copy and paste. Littman raises cautions about encouraging young people's desire to transition in all instances. From the cases reviewed in her study, she concluded— what she terms rapid-onset gender dysphoria, appears to be a novel condition that emerges from cohort and contagion effects and novel social pressures. The notion reported by parents that the ROGD appears to be scripted is also telling. Medical anthropologists describe the process of outsourcing negative feelings to cultural narratives and symptoms of beliefs as idioms of distress. uh, These beliefs can be practically grounded in science and biology, as is the case with current brain-based mental health culture, or not at all, as in the case of cultures that explain mental illness through the idiom of spirit possession. When extreme forms of distress and coping arise through novel social pressures and spread through implicit imitation, strange epidemics of mass psychogenic illnesses have been documented. These have extended to dancing plagues, uh, possession uh, epidemics uh, on factory floors, fog states or epidemics of face twitching. These conditions are described as psychogenic, originating in the mind when no underlying physical cause can be determined, end quote. The September 14, 2018 issue of the week ran this headline. A Transgender Studies Non-PC Conclusion Excerpts follow. A Brown University researcher has come to a stunning conclusion about transgender youth, one that the university is now trying to censor, said Joy Pullman. The explosion of the number of teens, especially girls, who suddenly come to believe they are transgender, the study found, may be the result of social contagion linked to having friends who identify as transgender, and obsessively viewing YouTube videos about transgender youth. Littman, a behavioral and social science professor, examined clusters of rapid-onset gender dysphoria among young people and surveyed 256 parents of kids who'd come out as transgender. A full 87% announced they were transgender only after friends did or after immersing themselves in online videos and chats about transgender youth. None had expressed transgender feelings early in childhood, end of quote. The unclean spirit, it is contagious. Satan's spirit of confusion is on the move. And the two news releases you were just exposed to, you heard the following terms, mental disorders, explosion of transgender population. Marked increase in internet and social media consumption. Increase in distress. Conflict with and disrespect for parents. Straight, heterosexual people considered evil. Parents no longer recognizing their child's voice. Sounding scripted or like a form letter. Contagion effect. Possession epidemic. Social contagion. Keep in mind, unclean spirits are contagious. And also keep in mind that Jesus Christ is the remedy. The Christ's solution for those seeking deliverance from such situation is to cast out the evil spirits, secure the person's salvation, and to immediately get that individual filled and sealed with the Holy Ghost, for Satan will return and attempt to repossess. Jesus states in Luke eleven, twenty four through twenty six. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he saith, I will return unto my house once I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Those who are not filled with the Holy Ghost, as they were on the day of Pentecost, need to visit the Holy Ghost series on this website. All children of faith have the power to cast out devils in Jesus' name, but it is critical that the believer acting on this promise has their individual hedge of faith and obedience intact. There is no secret supernatural prayer, prayer excuse me, that one prays to cast out devils. The procedure is accomplished, even as Christ demonstrates with one modification. Example, Jesus said in Mark 5:8, 8, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. The child of faith would say, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Example, Jesus said in Luke 4:35, hold thy peace and come out of him. The child of faith would say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, hold thy peace and come out of him. Devil possession is more prevalent than most would think. But Jesus Christ is in all matters in which we are involved. The answer, Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. End of quote once the evil spirits are cast out, immediate action is required. Keep in mind that darkness cannot exist in the presence of light, it cannot, and God is light. First John chapter one, verse five. Important guidelines for those set free from devils would be number one: the individual must fully surrender his or her life to Jesus Christ with an open confession and begin to seek the Lord in his word and this would certainly include water baptism by immersion click on the further with jesus number 2 the delivered saint should acquire an authorized king james version of the bible click on the god said man said holy ghost series and follow along during this series as the new believer steps out in faith he or she will receive the baptism of the holy ghost when the devil's return to inhabit they will see the holy ghost no vacancy sign number 3 The newly delivered saint must remove all unclean things that are in his or her control from his or her home, vehicle, and workplace. A short list would include alcohol, social media and or smartphones, drugs, witchcraft and satanic elements, things to do with the occult such as horoscopes, Ouija boards, literature, and the like, pornography. Antichrist academic literature, TV programs, internet use, and radio programs that should be censored, and God will lead. Four, the newly set free believer should read the Word of God daily, for example, morning, noon, and evening. Beginning in Matthew, a good rule of thumb is to spend as much time eating the bread of life as one spends eating food and snacks. Attend a true full gospel church at least twice a week. Tell others about the love of Christ. Separate from sinners and fellowship with the born again. The children of God have the power to cast out devils in Jesus' name. The world needs us now. End of quotes. The unclean spirit is highly contagious, like COVID or the flu, and can just as surely prove deadly. A massive global drive is afoot to defile all that is God, and this effort leads to utter destruction, destruction, to doomsday. It's knocking at the door and it's coming for our children. A publication of Hillsdale College in Primus, which has over 5.8 million monthly readers, published a feature in June 2021 titled Gender Ideology Run Amok. The article was adapted from a speech given by Abigail Schreier at the Hillsdale College National Leadership Seminar. Miss Schreier's biographical introduction reads. Abigail Schreier is a journalist and author. She received her A.B. from Columbia College, where she was a Uretta J. L. Kellett fellow, her B. Phil from the University of Oxford, and her J.D. from the Yale Law School, where she was a Coker fellow. A member of the Board of Advisors of the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, she has written for numerous publications, including City Journal, Newsweek, Real Clear Politics, The Federalist, the New York Post, and the Wall Street Journal. She is the author of Irreversible Damage, the transgender craze seducing our daughters. The following paragraphs are from Dr. Schreier's Hillsdale College speech. In 2007, America had one pediatric gender clinic. Today, there are hundreds. Testosterone is readily available to adolescents from places like Planned Parenthood and Kaiser, often on a first visit without even a therapist's note. How do we get to this point? How is it that we are all supposed to pretend that the only way you can know I'm a woman is if I tell you my pronouns? How did we get to an America in which a 13-year-old in the state of Washington can begin gender-affirming therapy without her parents' consent? How do we get to an America in which a 15-year-old in Oregon can undergo top surgery, elective double mastectomy, without her parents' permission. And what can we do about it? To understand how we got to this point, it is useful to begin by considering gender dysphoria, the feeling of severe discomfort in a person's biological sex. Gender dysphoria is certainly real. It is also exceedingly rare. It afflicts about one-tenth of one percent of the population, most of whom are male. The typical first step in treatment administered to these kids is puberty blockers, which shut down the part of the pituitary gland that directs the release of hormones, catalyzing puberty. The most common of these drugs is luprin, uh, whose original purpose was the chemical castration of sex offenders. To this day, the FDA has never approved this drug for halting healthy puberty. One has to wonder why a parent or doctor would take measures to stop a child's puberty, given that even a child with genuine gender dysphoria would most likely outgrow that condition if left alone. Some argue that it is traumatizing to let children go through puberty of the sex to which they do not wish to belong. But in many cases, puberty seems to have helped children overcome gender dysphoria. The truth is that there is no satisfying answer, given that scientists have no way of predicting which children will outgrow the dysphoria on their own and which won't. Proponents of affirmative care also argue that allowing puberty to occur is dangerous because suicide rates for trans-identified youth and trans adults are very high. Therefore, they say, we need to start treating children with gender dysphoria as soon and as dramatically as possible. Yet there are no good, long-term studies indicating that puberty blockers cure suicidality or even improve mental health. Nor are these studies, there, nor are there studies, excuse me, that show puberty blockers are safe or reversible when used in this manner. What we do know is that puberty blockers prevent the development of secondary sex characteristics, sexual, matu- sexual maturation and bone density. Indeed, because of the inhibition of bone density and other risks, doctors don't like to keep children on puberty blockers for more than two years. We also know that in almost every case, when a child's healthy puberty is medically arrested, placing the child out of step with his or her peers, that child proceeds to cross-sex hormones. And when puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones are administered to a girl, she becomes infertile. She may also have permanent sexual dysfunction, given that her sex organs never reach adult maturity. Given this, the claims made by so many doctors and gender activists today that these medical transition measures for children are safe and reversible, that they are a pause button without serious downsides, are not only dishonest but destructive. We would not accept this sort of glib salesmanship in any other area of medicine. Prior to 2012, in fact, there was no scientific literature on gender dysphoria arising in teenage girls. Dr. Lisa Littman, then a Brown University public health researcher, used the phrase rapid onset gender dysphoria to refer to the uh, subsequent sudden spike and transgender identification among teenage girls with no childhood history of gender dysphoria. This spike is not unique to America. We see it across the Western world. To offer just one statistic, there has been a decade-to-decade increase of over 4,400 percent in the number of teenage girls seeking treatment at the United Kingdom's National Gender Clinic. Across the West, teen girls are now leading the demographic claiming to have gender dysphoria. What is behind this social contagion? The spread of ideas, emotions, and behaviors through peer influence? One more instance of teenage girls sharing and spreading their pain. There is a long history of social contagion with this demographic. Anorexia and bulimia are also spread this way. And we know teen girls today are in the midst of the worst mental health crisis on record with the highest rates of anxiety, self-harm, and clinical depression. The teen girls susceptible to this social contagion are the same high anxiety depressive girls who struggle socially in adolescence and tend to hate their bodies. Add to that a school environment where you can achieve status and popularity by declaring a trans identity. Add to that the teenage temptation to stick at the mom. Also add the intoxicating influence of social media where trans activists push the idea that identifying as trans and starting a course of testosterone will cure cure a girl's problems. Put those together, and you have a fast-spreading social phenomenon. No discussion of gender ideology can ignore the ongoing movement to eradicate girls and women's sports and protective places, spaces. Excuse me. Many or most of the people pushing this are not transgender themselves, but they are activists. They are energized, and they seem to be winning. This movement promotes dangerous bills like the Equality Act which would make it illegal to even distinguish between biological men and women and thus to exclude a biological male from a girl's sports team or a woman's uh, protective space, whether it be a restroom, a locker room or prison. We have these laws now in California and in the state of Washington. And as you might imagine, one result is that hundreds of biological male prisoners, many of them violent felons, have applied to transfer to women's units. For activists, pushing this is not enough to create unisex bathrooms, a separate category for trans-identified athletes, or separate safe zones in prisons for trans-identified biological men. No, they are working to abolish all women's only spaces, and they want to abolish them now. It's the devil's trinity. Satan has harnessed, one, the world's universities, two, the media, news and entertainment industries, and three, the world's progressive politicians. This is a last-days lockstep effort to destroy all that is God. Unfortunately for them, failure is certain, and yes, God's word will reign supreme. Devil possession is a word issue, and deliverance will be words as well. God's words mixed with faith. The devils are words and function in a word medium. Devils must and will obey the words of God when they're spoken in faith. There is a new series on God said, man said, titled Four-Part Harmony. You need to visit this series. It will take you to the very secret place of the Most High. Here you will find a staggering internal unity and maximized Holy Ghost function. This feature will close with a few excerpts from this four-part series. Remember, our success is totally a Word issue. John one one: in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. From the conclusion of the four-part Harmony series, In the secret place all inner conflicts cease. All subliminal doubts vanish, and all thoughts of unworthiness end. In the secret place, all God's good gifts are magnified to the maximum. There is no place like the secret place. I must be there. The book of Psalms identifies one of the requirements to enter the secret place of the Most High being a pure heart. Much of the time, the Christian resides outside this holy place of power because of heart issues. The charge of discovering and correcting these issues is the Holy Ghost renewed and transformed mind. Again, Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. At the place Jesus calls born again, a major four-part transformation begins. For one, a heart uh, transplant takes place as prophesied in Ezekiel 11, 19, and 20. At the same time, the soul is saved. And the Holy Ghost enters in and begins renewing of the mind. Then the conversation begins. The Holy Ghost's renewed mind must inspect the heart frequently in order to keep it pure. A pure heart is required to sit in God's secret place. But you'll be surprised at how doable a pure heart really is. The following four steps will demonstrate how beautifully simple it is. Number one, get before God and bring praise and thanksgiving. Maybe even sing a godly song. Then ask him to reveal the problems in your heart one at a time. Number two, imagine your heart as a walk-in pantry with its shelves stocked with various spiritual things. Walk in, turn on the light. Number three, you will have Holy Ghost eyes. Consider what is on each shelf and take inventory. One shelf may hold bitterness. Bitterness is an evil spirit a serpent, the devil. Someone has harmed you or offended you, and this bitter spirit, which has lips, hands, teeth, and feet, has found a place in your heart. Bitterness is deadly, always justifiable in the natural mind, but never with God. If you have found bitterness on the shelves of your heart, your heart is not pure, and you are not sitting in God's secret place of great joy. Number four, it's time to start speaking. It's time to speak to the heart. Your Holy Ghost, renewed mind, will transform the situation as you speak to your heart the Word of God mixed with faith. Here is a demonstration of the process of heart purification, and it always works. Thou spirit of bitterness in my heart, by the power of Jesus Christ, I charge you to come out and do not return. It is written, and I write these words upon the table of my heart, Hebrews chapter twelve verse fifteen, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. It is written, and I write these words upon the table of my heart, Matthew five forty four. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. It is written and i write these words upon the table of my heart mark 11 25 and 26 and when ye stand praying forgive if ye have ought against any that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses but if ye do not if ye do not forgive neither will your father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses our lord jesus christ after suffering the ultimate deadly evil at the hands of men said in luke 23 34 father forgive them For they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. Now, you're going to plug in a name. I'm going to say, I forgive, and then there's going to be a blank space, and you plug in a name. I forgive. In Jesus' name, I even love my enemies. Thank you, Father, for the power and authority of your word that purifies my heart. Hallelujah. I am clean. You have destroyed that deadly serpent of bitterness, hatred, and unforgiveness, from the shells of your heart's pantry. You have cleansed the area of your heart by the washing of the water of the Word. Do note that if you do not forgive, you are not forgiven, and you do not sit in the secret place of God. In the secret place is mercy, grace, and forgiveness. You have destroyed that deadly serpent of bitterness, hatred, and unforgiveness from the shells of your heart's pantry. You have cleansed the area of your heart by the washing of the water of the word. Do note that if you do not forgive, you are not forgiven, and you do not sit in the secret place of God. In the secret place is mercy, grace, and forgiveness. It is where all good things live, and here they are magnified to the max. Other evils, such as covetousness, fear, slothfulness, depression, lust, and more are eradicated just as demonstrated. Four-part harmony makes us one with the Father and the Son, and all by the quickening power of the Holy Ghost. Here your inner conflicts end. Here your absolutes will be absolutely absolute. This is the secret place of the Most High. End of quotes. Salvation is a word product, and so is deliverance from the devil's bondage. It is high time to start talking tough. It's time to set the captive free, beginning with me. God said, Matthew 10, verse 1, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. God said, First Thessalonians 4, 4, That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, and sanctification and honor. God said, First Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Man said, These doomsday prophets make me laugh. There's no doomsday, and there's no God sitting in judgment. Enjoy yourself. Now you have the record.